It is Thursday, February 23rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. XFL Week 2 is here. And Alabama hangs on in a close one. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Alabama hangs on, beats South Carolina 78-76 in overtime. Huge day for Brandon Miller. XFL Week 2 kicks off tonight. We'll get more on that from our XFL expert. But the Vegas lead, AJ, is going to be college hoops. You mentioned Alabama hanging on for a 2 point overtime victory remind me they were 17, 17. And a half point favorites yeah and if you said I, we talked about this yesterday morning how huh? should we, I asked should we be you, looking at south carolina i, like, I asked you i said do you want to take south carolina plus I, the 17 and a half and i said if it was anybody other than south carolina i'd consider <laughs> it well even south carolina showed up last night and they pushed alabama to the brink brandon miller who was much maligned the, the last two days, guy who's been – people are talking about, oh, he should never play again. Uh, he, he's His involvement in the shooting earlier this year has mm-hmm. come up. And there were – like Dick Vitale was tweeting how he was outraged. I'm outraged, baby. They can't let this guy play. But they let him play, and Alabama needed everything from him. 41 points, eight boards from Brandon Miller – so the rest of the team didn't play very well. Brandon Miller, who's been under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of stress, showed up with one of his biggest games of the year, and Alabama hangs on 78-76. This would have been about as bad of a loss as Alabama could have had this year. Uh, South Carolina is an absolute train wreck. So uh, they hung with them the entire game. Not a great, uh, not a great shooting night. For the tide, they're seven of twenty-seven from three, um, but again, it boiled down to one dude just kind of putting on the cape and and saving the day, and that's what happened. First off, I didn't like your Dickie V impression. I, I think it was more like, uh, you know, t- twenty years ago, Dickie V. Mm. Like, it, it, it's awesome, yeah. baby. This First of all, he's he's a type of dandy. You, you know, you gotta have more. This guy's of, yeah. a freshman. He's supposed to be. I mean, come on, baby. It's absolutely awesome, baby. That you gotta have more of like a lost voice. Sorry about Dick that. Vitale. Secondly, do you think that uh, uh, the the Miller situation impacted them? At least in the first half. They, were, had to. they were losing in the first half. And I know the crowd was getting on him. They were chanting things at him. And maybe it just weighed on them until they get into the locker room. Nate Oates gives them a speech at halftime. And they come out more focused in the second half. I, I'll be on Whatever it was, it seemed like all the distractions are affecting the rest of the team more than it's affecting Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. Or Brandon mm-hmm. Miller's thriving off it. I don't know what it is. I mentioned they shot 7 of 27 from 3. Brandon Miller was 6 of 13. Wow. That means the rest of the team was one of fourteen. It's crazy. <laughs> so like Brandon Miller is like he's like, hey guys, let's just let's just play ball. Let's go out here and do what we've been doing all season. And everybody else is like, man, it's so crazy. Like all everybody's talking about it. It I, it, it seems like Brandon Miller. And honestly, you know, say whatever you want to say about it, wh- whether he should be in some kind of trouble or not. 
I don't want to discuss that. I, I made the mistake of discussing it some yesterday on Twitter. But if anything, a performance like this mm-hmm. tells me, man, this guy is really mentally tough, which is something I'm looking for at the next level yeah. as a pro. And I think most people think Brandon Miller is going to be a great pro anyway. This just seals it to me. Like this guy is a dog. You go out there and you 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 know everybody in the world is is even complaining that you're allowed to be on the floor. And not only do you go out there and and play well, you win the game. Like they don't they're not even close in this game without him. Well, all this does is make me feel even better about the bet that I'll make in a couple of weeks when Texas A and M is home hosting Alabama. Okay, because yeah, we're gonna take the Aggies in that game. You're liking the Aggies, man. It, the Aggies are a, a perplexing team. Um, I don't know where I stand because until Tennessee, they didn't really have a good win. Now they've got one. Yeah. Uh, will they get another one against Alabama? I don't know. That's a. It's a. They're an interesting team. Uh, they're a team that everything says I should believe in them by now because they keep winning games. Yet I don't believe in them at all. So I, A and M may make me look really stupid by the time this season's over. There was an upset in the ACC, and it shows how much I have not paid attention to a lot of college basketball this year. I didn't realize Virginia was the number six team in the nation. Virginia's very good, and pro- they're the best team in the ACC. Uh, but the ACC's down this The ACC's year. certainly so, down. So how good is Virginia? Well, let's look at it from, I mean, what we like to do is say, look at Ken Palm. Where are they analytically? Mm-hmm. Where, what's the market think of them? And Virginia is good, not great in that aspect. So you you like you think okay they're number six in the country they got to be you know top ten top, no they're thirty fourth in Ken Palm so okay. they're not loved so they're not the analytically sixth, they're, they're not the number six team in the nation it's funny like we're talking we've talked a lot oh, about oh, oh, uh, so give me the, the the top the top teams above them right now so if they're number six right we got number one is Houston yep okay number two Alabama two Alabama three, three Kansas. Kansas four UCLA five Purdue yeah. I think Kansas, with Bill Self, the only coach I'd put ahead of Tony Bennett in that top group. Mm, Kelvin Sampson's pretty good. I I, I agree. Kelvin Sampson's a great coach. I think Tony Bennett's an incredible coach as well. I think he's – I think I would put Tony Bennett ahead of Kelvin Sampson. I'd go Bill Self, number one. Then I'd go Tony Bennett. Then Kelvin Sampson. Maybe so. Then Mick Cronin. Cronin. Then Nate Oates. Yeah. Uh, Nate Oates. I'd rather have Nate Oates than – Than Mick Cronin? Yeah. I'd rather have Nate Oates than Matt Painter. Well, I'd have rather have a lot of them than Matt Painter. Okay. You know? <laughs> I didn't know we were leaving them out of the conversation. I thought you were going with all, I almost the whole top Gene five. K- I almost said Gene Cady. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Virginia, there's something that I used to bet Michigan State a lot in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and it was because of Tom Izzo. And I used to say that Tom Izzo was tournament tested. That's how I refer to teams. I call them tournament tested because they know what it takes to go through the grind. They know what it takes to go through the, the condensed schedule that is the NC2A tournament. And Tony Bennett knows what it takes now. and Or he's known what it takes for a while. Uh, and I, maybe maybe I was wrong. Or not wrong. But maybe I should have been paying more attention to Virginia. I didn't realize that they were as highly ranked as they as they are. The the problem is yes, he's tournament tested. He he knows uh he knows what it takes to get there, but in the past he's had NBA talent that was able to get him there. Mm-hmm. He's had, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and uh Diakite and and you know, Joe Harris and and Sam Howe. He's he's had these guys who who could get him there. DeAndre Hunter. 
he doesn't have that team. Ty Jerome, he doesn't have the, the – Kia Clark's still there. Kia Clark is still there. That guy's uh, been in school for like 10 years. Yeah, but he doesn't – He does. Trey Murphy. Uh, he, there's a lot, he had, he's a lot of talents yeah. run through Virginia. This is not his most talented team. Uh, they're good. They're not great. It's funny, you know, you mentioned that they're sixth, and Ken Palm has their if – you, if you just look at their top teams, mm-hmm. Houston, UCLA – Alabama, Purdue, so the top one teams, through four. The top teams that are the actual top teams yeah. are are aligned with Ken Palm. Kansas is seven, and then Virginia, thirty four. Yeah, we've okay. talked about Kentucky being a, an abject disaster yeah. this year. Kentucky's thirty second in Ken Palm, okay. two spots ahead of number six in the country, Virginia. I don't know if Kentucky's going to make the tournament, but they're ahead of they're ahead of Virginia and Ken Palm, who's certainly going to make the tournament. Mm, interesting. Uh, elsewhere, top twenty-five last night. What happened? Oh, well, I guess we didn't even mention what oh, yeah. happened in yeah. the Virginia game. They lost. Virginia <laughs> loses outright. Not. Only, I mean, this is a a really tough loss. Boston College stinks. Like this. This is a a really bad team. So for them to lose is one thing. To lose by fifteen points. To Boston College is alarming. Uh, this any thoughts that I could have had about Virginia being sort of a dark horse team come tournament time are kind of wiped away here because they they've had a couple of these losses now. A couple weeks ago, I think it was like maybe a week or two ago, they lost to Pitt. I was like, oh, that's not a good look. A couple weeks before that, they had lost to Syracuse at home. That wasn't a good look. Now there's been enough of these not good look losses. I've just got no. I've got no interest in Virginia. I, I don't trust them. It, the The typical the typical teams that you're talking about that Bennett's put out that have been elite have been, you know, top ten defensive mm-hmm. teams. Uh, and offense offense usually good enough to get by. This year they're outside the top twenty five defensively, but they're still bottom three in the country in pace. You've got to be an elite elite defensive team if you're going to take all the air out of the ball. Or you've got to be an incredible offensive team. They are neither. Mm. Why are we not betting Houston first halves every time they play? I I've bet it quite a bit this year and been pretty profitable. I actually had Tulane plus fifteen in this game, and I feel so stupid. Uh, Houston wins by thirty. My thought was, man, Tulane's a really good team, and they they really are. The problem is they didn't run the ball enough. The problem is everything Tulane does well doesn't work against Houston. You're not going to out-rebound Houston. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to turn Houston over. They're probably going to turn you over. And it, they're, they're a matchup kryptonite. Houston is becoming a, like, not just a cute story. Like, they're a, they're, they're a Final Four team. Like, I have a hard time mm-hmm. picturing a world where they're not in the Final Four. I don't know if they have the talent to win the whole thing, but this team is certainly elite. Uh, and not just elite for an American conference team. They are fantastic. Elsewhere, the other the other top 25 game, UConn, 87, Providence, 69. Ed Cooley, 61% as a road dog at Providence. Mm. Uh, they were catching six and a half, seven last night, seven and a half in, if you got it early. Uh, they lose by 18. UConn, we talked about this on the, uh, the Dream Pod last night. UConn's been a team that's kind of overachieved this year. When they are hitting shots... They are one of the best teams in the country, and they were t- they were ten of twenty one from three. You shoot forty eight percent from three point land, you're going to win a lot of games. So this this was a, a night where you saw high level UConn, 
and high level. UConn on their best day, I think, is one of the five best teams in the country. The problem is they haven't shown up very often is that they're very inconsistent. Last night they were incredible. Let's look at the top 25 tonight. Four games in top 25 action. And what I've been looking for lately is, what what what'd you say, McKenzie? What, are there system plays? Find me one. I need it. Well, good news. Yes. First game of the night, system play. Now, you got to have the Big Ten Network to watch this thing. But Northwestern, number 21 ranked Northwestern. Mm. Team that just keeps on winning Northwestern. They're, they're beating everybody. They beat me the other day, unfortunately, <laughs> with Iowa. We've talked about Big Ten home teams, yep. though. 62%. Northwestern's won five straight. They are at Illinois. They are five-and-a-half-point dogs to unranked Illinois, who is likely to be without Terrence Shannon, who is their best player, probably an all-Big Ten first-team player. Hmm. And still, Illinois is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Northwestern. Now, that's saying something. That, uh, These you are know, the two schools that we would decide on after high school, 90% of our graduates. I guarantee you the kids at Illinois are pissed off right now they're not higher ranked than Northwestern. It's disrespectful. Well, I mean, Illinois basketball in general is usually yeah, you go a to proud program. You want to go to celebrate the basketball team and have fun and you know, go to fraternity parties. You're not supposed to be better at basketball in Evanston than you are in Champaign. Uh-huh. If, if you'd had to make that choice, you went to Mackenzie Rivers, who went to Yale, had you stayed in state, yeah. would you have wanted to – because you're a basketball yeah. guy – would you have wanted to go to Illinois, or would you have wanted to go and get the higher education at Northwestern? All my good friends went to Illinois. I probably would have picked the higher education and regretted it. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> I probably would have gone to Northwestern. You would have never known what it was like to celebrate a win. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be like Fez now, talking about, how, oh, we're so great. We're so great. You know we beat Purdue. Yeah, <laughs> in, Purdue and Indiana. Beat them both. How about that? Uh, yeah, this is a – the number's kind of getting a little bit – out of my comfort range, hmm. especially given the the question mark about Terrence Shannon's availability. If Terrence Shannon plays, I'll lay five and a half right now. Okay, but there's there's just no way of knowing that right now. Uh, Illinois without him just played a home game against Minnesota, who's dreadful. They won by nine. Uh, so they played Saturday, then they played Monday. Now they're playing on Thursday. So maybe with without their best guy, maybe they're a little shorthanded. Uh, on the other side, Northwestern played Sunday, and they haven't played again until Thursday. Mm, okay. So there's there's a rest advantage for Northwestern. It'll probably be a pass for me. All right. We also have number 15, St. Mary's. They're big favorites at home against Pacific. I talked about this. St. Mary's is not a team I like to play as a big favorite. Yeah. St. Mary's takes the air out of the basketball. Uh, they, are, they, they maximize possessions. They're an elite rebounding team. They don't turn the ball over, but they play so slow mm. that it's hard for them to pull away from teams sometimes. So uh, I don't love the idea of St. Mary's as a 19-point favorite here. It's a lot. <laughs> All right. Elsewhere, Gonzaga is a massive favorite. Yeah. Gonzaga is a massive favorite, and this one makes sense. This opened at 20 and a half. It's now 23, and I can't fault anyone who still wants to take Gonzaga. As much as people are kind of down on Gonzaga this year, and it's, it's certainly not as dominant of a team as they've had in recent years, they're still the number one adjusted efficiency offense in the country. They are elite offensively, and now they are playing a team in San Diego who is dreadful defensively. 333rd ranked defense against the number one ranked offense. How many schools are there? 
363. So they're better than a couple. They're better than a couple. You're right. You're, you're right. They are better than a couple. Uh, the second worst three-point defense in the country. So this is a, a really, really bad D. And this is the thing about uh, the WCC. When there are tiebreakers at the end of the year, mm-hmm. if if St. Mary's and Gonzaga need to have like the deciding factor, who's the who's the top seed? It's the net rating. Mm. Net rating is affected by running up the score. Running up the score. Yeah. And so this is an opportunity for Gonzaga to absolutely run up the score on a bad team. I wouldn't be surprised if Gonzaga puts up 100 tonight. Wow. Uh, and then number four, UCLA at Utah laying seven. UCLA is laying seven. Yeah, uh, this is scary. Utah is not good, but their home court advantage is strong. Because of the elevation? Yeah. So they this is a team that's, I mean, they've been night and day home and road. Uh, I don't want to to fade them at home. It, it, honestly, I don't know that I want to back them either uh, because they're not good. But UCLA, eh, they, they're, they've been strong lately. I, I think you got to give them some credit here. It's, I just don't want to lay seven at Utah. We might have to start calling this like XFL Weekly or XFL. Like we, have to, we have to brand an XFL segment. We don't own the XFL. I want to own the XFL. wouldn't cost much. When the Rock got the it, Rock it says it costs more than you can afford. <laughs> we'll see what happens at the end of this season. But we are in week two of the XFL, and joining us is our XFL guru, the only man who is undefeated in the XFL at pregame.com, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Fez, welcome. Thank you. Week two action in the XFL. You know what? I'm very excited about this league, and it was by many accounts a pretty much home run week one for the XFL. Yeah. You enjoyed the product? I enjoyed the product. I love the rules. I love the punting rules. Kick it out of the end zone. Kick it out of bounds. The other team gets the ball in the 35. 90% of the kickoffs get returned. And the uh, excitement on the extra points, one, two, or three points, you can't kick it. you got to go for it. And if you're behind in the fourth quarter, you can just try instead of an onside kick, you can go ahead and take the ball on your own 25, maintain possession, it is fourth and fifteen. However, do they have so you can? They don't kick extra points, but they can still kick field goals, right? Yes. Okay. Would they do a? Do, does does the do, does Canadian football have the four point field goal? If it's over fifty yards. They do not. They have the one point rouge, of course. The one point rouge. That's a made up thing. Not only <laughs> the one point rouge, but if you one point rouge into the end zone. The other team, I believe, on missed field goals, why well, certainly on punts, they can kick it back out of the end zone, which is made well, for some very exciting. Do they have to end kick games. it on the fly. They have to catch. No, they catch the ball and then they can kick it back. So it's literally oh, okay. the ball is getting kicked back and forth, like when the clock stopped at the end of a game and it's tied, and one team's trying to get their point to win. This, how, like, this sounds about, like someone tried to make up a sport. Yeah, and it was stupid. And they're like, "Let's just do it anyway." Like they looked at it and they're like, "This is a this is a dumb rule," and they're like. I know, but let's just go with it. How else are we going to be different? The rouge is not a dumb rule because it kind of makes sense that you should get credit for something if you were, like, in the red zone. Give give them a point. And all all the time, teams purposely give up the point rather than running back a punt and getting stuck on their own two-yard line. Why not make a four-point field goal? Like, maybe from 60 yards out. Four points. Justin Justin Tucker becomes the most valuable person in the world. Well, I'm saying for, like, the XFL. You're rewarding incompetency. And also, you've got the embarrassing situations of teams down – like I hear what you're saying, no one would actually intentionally take this. But if you were like 
one yard take away. Take a knee and then kick yeah, the four-pointer. Yeah, exactly. So you're, da- you're down by four, and you're and it would right now it would be a 59-yarder. You take a knee on third down. Exactly and you kick right. the 60-yarder to tie the game. You know, there's many purists <laughs> that hate the three-point shot because in basketball just because why are you being rewarded for getting a worse shot? Well, the worst shot in basketball is the long two. Now, not yes. the three. Yes. Because, yeah, you might as well take one step back and then shoot the three because it's more valuable. All right, let's talk XFL week two. We do have a Thursday night game. Now, when it comes to Thursday night football in the NFL, we it's widely known, right? The players aren't ready to play. And, and players will tell you that themselves. They're just not recovered after a game on Sunday to play on a Thursday. We also know that it's difficult for the road teams to travel on a short week of practice and preparation. We and look towards the home team. We look towards, we look the, towards under. the unders. Yes. How does it apply now for the XFL? Well, the home team situation isn't going to help you so much because there is no home team because Seattle has not been to Seattle yet. So Seattle is in Arlington as is St. Louis. That's where all of the, um, I don't know if it's Arlington or another suburb, but they're all in Texas, all eight XFL teams. That's where they practice. And then they travel to the game. So this is going to be Seattle's first time in Seattle, first time seeing their stadium. Um, and Seattle actually had to play in Washington, D.C. So it's not a good travel spot for Seattle to have to go back to Texas and then go to D.C., but it's not a good travel spot for St. Louis as well that was in Texas and has to go fly to Seattle. I think it benefits the defense. Both these teams are going to have to travel. They, they played Sunday. Uh, they they both, got, so they both played Sunday. They got to travel Wednesday. Sun, so they both played Sunday. So Sunday night travel back to Arlington, Texas. Yes. Maybe have a film session treatment on Monday. Yep. Practice on Tuesday, fly to Seattle on Wednesday. Exactly. One day of practice. So I don't think we're going to see a, a bunch of flea flickers and, and op- halfback option passes and offenses that are clever. Further, I can make the case that if you watch St. Louis, uh, they were challenged offensively. How challenged were they? Three points during the first 57 minutes of the game. And then they got to play against a prevent defense. And A.J. McCarron went a little mm-hmm. bit crazy at the end, getting the Nazgul, the nine-point touchdown, the six and the three. And then they tried that aforementioned fourth and 15, the Keensay. And they got the Keensay. Ricky Do- Proles. <laughs> now, does it uh, does the weather come into play here? It's going to be 31 degrees in Seattle. We have a St. Louis team that played indoors in San Antonio and then – you know, not a lot of travel, but well, I don't know how how far is San Antonio from Arlington. Three and a half hours, or whatever. So tra- they stay in Texas, where it's warm weather. You've got two teams that have been practicing in Texas. Practicing where- in Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's a, they're not. Maybe they're not getting out the sunscreen yet. Maybe in Texas. Four and a half, five hours actually. But but, but the bot the bottom line is they're um, it's still they're they're practicing in the yeah, in the fifties and sixties or they're indoors. 60s, not thirties. And, and you've got the, and the one the one theme is that the offenses can't move the ball, but the rules are skewed so much towards scoring that you wind up scoring some points, especially in the second half. Uh, there's running clock on incomplete passes. I expect both teams going to be close to the vest. And you got to remember, too, Seattle donked away their game week one where they were absolutely in control against the Washington defenders until um, 
DiNucci threw an ill-advised pass in ben his own territory, pick six, that changed the game. So I think Seattle, they only gave up 3.3 yards per play last week. Defense played great. They blew it with turnovers. I think they'll be more careful with the ball. With both teams being very careful with the ball early in the game and not being with the prep, I'm going first half under 17 and a half. That's even available at no vig, no vig at William Hill. Yeah, Ooh, wow. even money, yeah. Uh, is there a Thursday night game every week or only select weeks? I was told there'd be easy questions only. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know. I think it's only select. I think it's only, I think it's schedule dependent. The fact that they didn't have a week one makes me think that probably. There's no Thursday game next week. Well, well you know, I, I have to say with March Madness, why would they compete against March Madness and that and the, the Thursday games uh, for the for the next and the conference tourneys for the next three weeks? Maybe they'll bring it back in April. May, you know, maybe it's the old TBD to, to be determined. Mm, yeah, maybe they adjust the schedule. Okay, so how many plays do you have for your clients for the XFL here week two? I have five plays up. However, the only, lines there's only four games though. There's four totals and there's one side. Oh. And 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 I'm gonna say it, RJ, get mad at me. Don't buy my individual place. Don't buy them. Buy my annual package. If I don't win for the year, blame me. Scream at me. It's my fault. If you buy any individual play, you know what? One, you're not gonna get the play right when I release it. The number is gonna move, and then you're gonna buy it. And the idea, like, I'll use the St. Louis Seattle. I gave out to my clients under 37 and a half. You play under 36 and a half, boom, it's tied 17 all late in the game. Uh, obviously, you're drawing dead if you have under 36 and a half. Get it at 37 and a half. If there's one thing I ask my clients, it's don't judge me on my winners, but judge me on my losers because there are so few. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> That's Jordan Belfort and the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I, I've never, you know, I love Wall Street, and I've never seen Wolf of You've Wall Street. You've never seen the Wolf of Wall Street? I know, Street? Are you great. kidding me? I, 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 I have no excuses for it. The guy who quotes a different movie every week because now his son is of age. That he's well, his son, his son can't watch Wolf of Wall Street. Still, like, how have you not seen Wolf of Wall Street? I can quote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. and Have you seen Boiler Room? Yeah. And did you appreciate Boiler Room? Love Boiler Room. Then Wolf of Wall Street is Boiler Room on steroids. What was your favorite? Without the Vin Diesel and Ben Affleck. What was your favorite line from 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 Boiler Boiler Room? Room? Yes. Uh, It's Ben Affleck's entire monologue when they first come in. First off, the guy uh, makes a comment, and he goes, you, get Get the the fuck fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. And then then he says, is anybody here past their Series 7? He goes, you can get the fuck out, too. We We don't hire brokers. We we train new ones. We train new ones. Yes, because we have to teach you how to be a criminal properly. And then he gives his whole spiel and he's like your parents don't like his parents don't like the life you live fuck them see what see see their reaction when you're making their fucking lexus payments that's the whole thing i love these guys he throws he throws the keys on the table he's got his lambo keys just throws it across and he's like that those are my you will be a millionaire within three years Mm -hmm. i'm a millionaire you will be one all you got to do is work for for this firm that or when uh when when so vin diesel's uh he comes on the sales call and the company is J.T. Marlin. He goes, uh, my name is whatever, Marlin. And the guy goes, Marlin? And he goes, like, J.T. Marlin? He goes, that's my father. father. You know, like, they pretending to be whatever. Yeah. Boiler Room's an incredible. Giovanni Rubisi, it's incredible a show. movie. Now, A.J., I can only sell you 2,000 shares of Ferrotech today. That is the limit. 2,000 shares? Are you crazy? 
No, no, I can't, cannot sell you more. I like to start out slowly with my new clients. That incredible scene when uh, Giovanni Ribisi's having like a bowl of cereal and he gets the sales call from like the New York, like the, the newspaper. And he's like, no, I'm not interested in the newspaper. And the guy's like about to hang up and he goes, hold on one second. He goes, you're going to hang up? And he's like, let me hear it. And he talks him through like a whole sales pitch. And the guy gives him a sales pitch on now, the newspaper. That was a and competent go, sales yes. call, sir. So Congratulations. You're gonna, so you're going to buy it? He goes, no, I got the times. Click. Fantastic. Go watch Wolf of Wall Street, please. I will. Like, watch it tonight. What else was Giovanni in? He's in a lot of things. Is he? Um, he was most recently in a show. Now, I don't know if that's the most recent thing he did, but a couple of years ago on Amazon Prime, a great show called Sneaky Pete. Mm. That's a fantastic show. Yeah. You know he's a great about, actor because about, he's not that attractive. Yeah, right? he's an yeah. ugly dude. So he's, he's got to be, be great. It's about a con artist, like a con man. Mm. It's called Sneaky Pete. Sneaky uh, Pete. Christopher Walken was in the first season. Right? No, no, not Christopher Walken. Brian Cranston yeah. was in the first season. I think Brian Cranston's like an exec- executive producer of the show. Uh, highly recommend that. Sneaky Is Lily Pete. from AT&T in there? No. She should be. No, but there are several women. But that was a good show that he was in. Uh, Liz Hurley? <laughs> you love Liz Hurley. Who doesn't? Please go watch Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, I gave you an incredible reference there, and, and you didn't get it at all, so Sorry. that's fine. Uh, XFL Week 2 up on pregame.com. You can get Steve Fezzik's package. Uh, anything else that you're working on? How's the uh, the morning release shows going, things like that? You, I know you, you wake up at the crack of dawn to get ahead of all the action for the day. You know, the market has absolutely changed in college basketball, and I would argue that 6 a.m. Pacific time, it's panic time in terms of betting because at 6.30, there's some very prominent handicappers, bettors, that fire. And you see the board light up like a pinball machine. Mm. And literally, in terms of value, it is like a bunch of Islamic terrorists are coming in and taking (laughs) away all the value from the college basketball board from 6.30 to 6.45, where you're seeing totals move two, three, four points. So has it ever gotten to a point where you almost just let that happen and then play off the other side? Yeah, it's a great point. And I absolutely. In fact, I send, you know, I, I, I work with a betting group and the like, and we've been, I've been very, I've been treading very cautiously with my clients. I'm not having a good college basketball year at all. That, that means I'm losing um, for what I've given out to my clients. And I'm trying to be very selective, but you know, in terms of my own betting and stuff, it's not unusual. I'll see a total at one thirty, and it gets steamed to one thirty three all at once. And then I see a one thirty four pop up rogue numbers, mind you, boom, I'm playing under one thirty four. Hmm. And I look at this, it's almost like I used to, Kenny White used to set all the lines in Vegas odds maker. And he used to say in a case like this, someone asked who you got in that total. And I'd say, I got Kenny White plus four. <laughs> Meaning I got four points better than what yeah, he sent yeah, out. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. Well, Fez, thanks so much for doing this. Good luck with your XFL plays. I know I will be telling. Thank you very much. Well, the XFL is all good and fun, and you can bet on it now. So that's always, you know, number one factor. But the NFL does still exist. They're not playing games right now, but the offseason wheels are turning particularly in Nashville, where they made some big moves yesterday. The Titans kept hell is a nice way to put it, I would Mm. say. Uh, They're working to get under the cap, and they released a handful of veterans yesterday, most notably Taylor Lewan, but also Robert Woods, Zach Cunningham, Randy Bullock, a couple former Houston Texans there. 
Uh, they were $23.3 million over the cap going into yesterday. Uh, they saved about $37.7 million against the cap with those four moves. Taylor Lewan is like, you know, he's in the last last year of his deal, but this is a guy who's been there for nine years, mm-hmm. you know, has been one of the best one of the best tackles in the game when healthy, although he hasn't been all that healthy the last couple of years. Um, this is a move that to me is a precursor. You know, I remember when McKenzie said when when Kyrie Irving got traded, he was like, No, this isn't the last domino to fall. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. expected Kevin Durant to be traded, you know, because it made sense. You don't you don't get rid of Kyrie Irving and just leave Kevin Durant by himself. It means you're starting something big. I don't think this is the end for Tennessee. Mm. I, I think there are are more moves to make. Bud Dupree saves them a lot of money. Ryan Tannehill saves them a lot of if if Ryan Tannehill is still on the roster June one, he will be the fifth highest paid player in the NFL next yeah, season. So that's not happening. It seems too high. It yeah. seems too it's too damn high. It's <laughs> like too damn high. Uh so I I don't expect Ryan Tannehill to I, this to me signals a rebuild, the mm, start yeah. of a rebuild for Tennessee. You don't cut a guy's left tackle, uh, one of his better receivers. You, you don't you don't do that if you're going to say, "Okay, now go out there and give us better than what you gave us last year for more money." Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This is the precursor to a full-blown wipeout in Tennessee. Start from the bottom up, uh, which honestly I think they can use because I I think they took their shot with Ryan Tannehill. It it, it got them some regular season success, limited postseason success. I just don't don't think he's good enough as a quarterback. And honestly, to me, the Titans have been built wrong this whole time. I, I don't like the idea of building your roster around a running back. I, I think that they finish out this Derrick Henry experiment and look to build their roster the old-fashioned way. And when I say the old-fashioned way, I mean like around a passing offense, yeah. which is what every team in the NFL tries to do now. You know, it's interesting. I'd be looking at Tannehill or, and maybe Taylor Luan as possible candidates to go to the Atlanta Falcons and, and reunite with Arthur Smith. You know, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill had a ton of success with Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator, and it's the reason why Arthur Smith got a head coaching yep, job. Up. So if the, you know, if, if the Falcons want to, you know, okay, they, they like what they saw from Desmond Ritter, but Ryan Tannehill gives them a better chance did to win. Did they like what they saw from Desmond well, I'm just Ritter? Saying, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but Ryan Tannehill gives them a better chance to win. So maybe that's the move. Reunite Tannehill with Arthur Smith and, and see what you got there. Here's why I don't like that, because Atlanta is a team that's they're they're where the Titans are trying to get to a rebuild. I would much rather find a young quarterback that you can build around. And if it's not Desmond Ritter, you go find someone else. Mm. I think starting your starting your franchise around an aging quarterback who's past his prime doesn't make any sense. And the Falcons are in a rare situation where their roster is basically a, a, a clean slate. They've got a ton of cap room. They've got a ton of draft capital. They're in a really good position. I think signing a, a an aging quarterback would be a mistake for this for this franchise. Well, it'd be a bridge, right? Like, let's say they hated Ritter. They've scratched the lottery ticket. He's not their quarterback. They can't necessarily guarantee they're going to draft a starting quarterback. If Ryan Tannehill take a one or two year yeah. deal, I'd consider it. That's it, that's what would make sense. Yeah, if Ryan Tannehill's trying to to get what Derek Carr is trying to get, or what Daniel Jones is apparently trying to get, then I, I think you have to say, sorry, Ryan, that's that's insanity. <laughs> You've stolen enough money from the NFL, friend. You the, the buck stops here. Uh, but you're right. If if that's if that's what they're looking for, if they if they even if they draft a quarterback this year, 
that they feel like is, isn't ready to play immediately, it would make sense to have a guy like him for a year and, and, and you know, kind of pass the time. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, Netflix will have a new documentary that will air, I, I guess, later on this Fuck year. I guess Does in the air, the streaming air. I mean, it's not on broadcast anywhere. It's no waves flying around. It will anyway. stream this summer, uh, <laughs> and it is from Omaha Productions, which is Peyton Omaha Manning, Peyton Manning's company. Blue forty two. It's a docu series called Quarterback, and it Ooh. features Patrick That's Clever. Features Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. The big three. <laughs> Someone call them that. All, all, three, all three quarterbacks were mic'd up during every game this season. And this documentary follows these three quarterbacks in their path. How are you going to be, how are you gonna be able to tell when Patrick Mahomes yeah. is the one talking? Uh, you know, we really... Uh, uh, you guys ready? Let's get out there. Well, Patrick said... Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I'm excited for fans to get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at uh, honestly, he says honestly on, uh, all the time. unforgettable season for the uh, uh, entire Chiefs organization uh, and family. Uh, um, <laughs> honestly, from welcoming home the, a new baby in the middle of the season and, uh, you know, honestly, welcoming in the Lombardi Jovi back to Kansas City. Uh, you know, the crew was there for it all. And, uh, you know, the new Netflix show uh, will be preparation. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, honestly, an NFL quarterback can just perform on the biggest stage. So that's uh, Sounds about what's right. going to happen there. And, I don't yeah, even have to see the documentary. It's gonna be, You've seen it. It's going to be great. I mean, I can't wait to see Kirk Cousins and, and Marcus, Marcus Mariota. But, yeah, yeah. listen, they, could, they probably could just cut out Cousins and Mariota and make the whole documentary about Patrick Mahomes. But uh, then you might, unfortunately, get some Jackson Mahomes. But the Mariota well. stuff <laughs> is interesting. Like, a guy, guy loses his job that in the middle of yeah. like, yeah. I'll be honest. It ended kind of Mike'd up from the sidelines. So listen, this is one of the right. Wasn't he away from the team in the final weeks? I wonder if they're going to show that after he was benched. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like my least favorite and favorite part of Hard Knocks is like the cuts. Oh yeah. Like when it's like, hey, when they go into the the you got to have the uncomfortable conversations. Like that that fascinates. Coach needs to see you. Bring your playbook. It's so brutal. (laughs) Like I mean, it really is a sad thing, especially for some of these guys who you know aren't going to get another chance. The the worst, like the craziest thing about it. I don't know if it's the worst part. It's crazy. It's like you have a a member of the staff goes to the players, you know, dorm room or whatever. Turk. They call him. Gets the player. Uh, That might be so. That might be uh, insensitive. Yeah. Let's scratch that out. Gets the player. Right. (laughs) He says, "Bring your playbook." But then they like stand there and they watch him, and then they escort him to the office, escort him back. It's like security watching you. Yeah. Like you got to make sure you can't don't take anything. Can't take yeah. your playbook. Can't take your team issued uh, iPad. Nothing. Don't take your towels. They escort you out. <laughs> that happened to me one time, so I, I quit a job. Right, and uh, I, I'll never forget this. Uh, I, it was a, a major network, so I'm not going to say what which network, but you get the idea. And I. Offered my two weeks notice because I knew that I was accepting a job somewhere else. And my boss, boss just laughed at me. He goes, <laughs> there's no such thing as two weeks notice. I go, I was just trying to, be, to do the right thing or whatever. And he goes, he goes, uh, we're going we're gonna to ask you to clean out your cubicle, like now. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I go, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go do that then. And he goes, no, 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 you wait here. Yeah, send up uh, Mike and whatever from security. Don't worry, security will be here in a minute. They'll they'll walk with you. What really? Yes, really. This is protocols. Yeah. What has to happen? Two security guys escorted me from the PD's office to my cubicle, watched me clean out my stuff, and then escorted me to the elevator and walked me out. 
Now, what they didn't know was that prior to meeting the PD, <laughs> I had put everything on a thumb drive, so I I took everything I needed. But <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's come on. That's like quitting 101, right? It's like, well, <laughs> I'm a backup. You, you got to put everything. Now it's all on the cloud. But you got you to gotta take everything with you before you tell them you're quitting. Anyway. But I'm interested to see the moment when they tell Mar- Mariota, hey, we don't need you around here anymore. Like that—that's—that's that's fascinating. You want to coach up a uh, Desmond? Uh, he'd really like some one-on-one time if you got any. No. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm out. Beat it. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Uh, that's all good and fun. I hate Netflix right now. Why? Mindhunter season three now Outer not going to happen. Outer Banks comes back today. Did you guys watch what Mindhunter? Today's Outer Banks. Did you watch Mindhunter? No. Oh my god! It was like the best show for two years, and then they're like, "No, it." David Fincher did it. Mm, yeah, it's I've never br- seen Mindhunter. Brilliant television. And they're like, eh, too expensive. We're not doing season three. Dumb. No. Yeah. FBI yeah. agents hunting serial killers. They oh, lost billions awesome. and billions on content. They're just trying their hardest. It's, yeah. <laughs> like they're making all this dumb shit about like uh, farmers getting married. It's like, why are you wasting money on that? Give me Mindhunter season three. There's a lot of stuff that like Netflix will just like buy a show that gets canceled from a, like a major yeah. network and they'll just buy it and just whatever, produce another season or, or yeah. you know, the rest of development. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of shows like that. You know, they did it with uh, that Kiefer Sutherland show, a designated survivor. It got canceled. Oh, really? They, I thought that was then, a Netflix original. That makes no, sense. No, no. Yeah. It, it was like an ABC show or something that got canceled. And they just bought it. They did it with Manifest, that uh, the, the plane yeah. disappearing show. got canceled on NBC. Netflix bought it. They'll, they'll pay for a year of Kirk Cousins mic'd up. <laughs> yeah. but not, they, won't, they won't pay for this. It's absurd. The NBA finally returns from its all-star break. It's amazing. These guys need so many days off. Uh, I don't get it. Well, if they only had days off during the season. Yeah, it's like that's what I'm saying. They don't play anyway, so you might as well give them extra days off. load management. Load management. Uh, It's a big schedule uh, uh, for tonight, including, um, you know, some top teams playing each other and some bottom teams playing each other. As McKenzie's looking at some of the... uh, well, I guess it could be entertaining basketball, but they are teams that are, let's just say, in the Victor Wembanyama yes. sweepstakes, right, Mac? Yes, the number one prospect in recent memory, maybe since LeBron, maybe since Kareem, seven foot five. He just measured out this week, and wow, um, and he, he plays like and a point guard. Center. He's not a center. He said, "I won't play center. I'm too skilled." And he, he has some he has some handle to him. So, the so Pistons, it's exciting. Pistons are playing the Magic. Pistons are certainly one of the teams in the sweepstakes, right? Yes. Magic are past that. I though. think Magic are just a little bit too good. So this is one of those teams moving in opposite directions. They were both equally bad starting the season. Now one's laying seven. It makes sense to me. One's going to keep trying. The other one's going to keep losing. Okay. Uh, it, do you, do you think it's like? At this point, so the the Magic have 24 wins. Yes. They've gone over. Oh, no, they're about to go over the season win total. The Thunder is the team that went over their win total, which you called. They're four games out of the 10 spot, which right. would get them a play-in game. Yep. And they're nine games from being the worst team in the league. Like, <laughs> at this point, like, do you think it? Uh, yeah, you don't want to be in that middle spot. Like, do you think it's, uh, like, it's better to lose? I, I would think so. Yes. Because you're not going to catch the bottom four. It's more, I mean, you're not going to, but even then you get some ping pong balls at least. Yeah, uh, and there's a chance. Who, who's to say that just because you're in the final four, uh, the uh, final four, just because you're in that bottom four and you have the 14% chance to win the lottery doesn't mean that you're going to win the lottery. And so the worse you can be, the more ping pong balls you're going to get at the bottom. It certainly makes more sense for the Magic to do that than to try and win and get into the playing tournament. And, and I think in the Eastern Conference, that should be the mindset the Western Conference, it feels like besides the Rockets and the and the Spurs, 
any of these teams could yeah. make the play-in tournament, right? Like, I mean, the Lakers are the next worst team, and they're two games out. Yes, and they, and they just announced that the sixth seed is their goal, Darvin Ham did. So. Yeah, so I, I don't expect a, an underwhelming effort from anybody in the West outside of those two bottom feeders, the two the San Antonio and Houston. In the East, I, boy, man, motivation should be questionable at all times. If I'm opinion. the Magic, I'm not trying to win. I think it's much better to just lower uh, or better my chances at getting the number one overall pick. Because like I said, just because you're in that group of four that has the 14% chance to win the lottery doesn't mean that one of those teams wins the lottery. No, it's less than 50-50. Yes, it's called a lottery for a reason. (laughs) So I think that you should absolutely, if you're the Magic, try uh, to lose that game. Uh, What other games do you think are interesting, Mac, as opposed to like looking at where these teams are going here for the next, I guess, final few weeks of the regular season? I'll take tanking teams maybe for 500 here. I like the Thunder a lot versus the Jazz, and I think it's because of what we're talking about. The Thunder unlike these other teams, have been in the lottery year after year after year. They said at the beginning of the season SGA did their best player. They're actually trying, and the last 30 days have been the fourth best team in the league. On the other hand, the Jazz, they were supposed to be one of these lottery teams, supposed to win 23 games. They outperformed expectations for about a month. Since then, they've been what we've expected, 25th best team in the league, last 30 days. I don't think the market's really, I mean, they're saying they're even teams, not in my opinion. They were maybe a couple months ago. I think the Thunder are way better here. I think the Jazz have more motivation to lose. So I like the Thunder here, and I like the Jazz to lose. Also, alternatively, I like the Thunder over their win total. You get 38.5. And, and I like the Jazz under their win total, 39.5. That's how you play the tanking season, in my opinion. Here's, so, here's so what I like about so, that. So basically, the, their win totals now are putting 10 more wins on each of their teams. You don't think the Jazz win 10 games for the rest of the season? Exactly right. Okay. And the, the thing about the Thunder is – they're the only team that gets a number one pick even without yes, tanking. Right. Like this team is going to get Chet Holmgren back next year. Yeah, yep. They didn't have him this year. They're already like, and if you exceed expectations without that guy, you got to feel really good going into next season when you've got him added to the mix. Yes, that's actually a playoffs. great point about that team. Like, why would they tank? Like, the, yeah, you just try hard. We've got our our you're top getting, guy. You're getting the number one. We're not yeah. getting Wimbayama. We got our other guy. We're, yeah. we're going to be okay. So I, our seven footer is better than that seven footer. I don't know if he's better than that seven footer, but <laughs> he's he's a pretty good skilled seven footer. He's not quite Wimbayama good. He's pretty good though. And the Jazz. I don't know how many times I've asked you over the course of the year, Mac. How are they doing this? Like just, it's it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's got to be bands and shoe tape and nobody knows. They have the this d- is a made up basketball team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have Lori Markinen, who's you know was on that stage as an NBA All Star starter. He's fat and happy. He's not as good as that as a top ten player in the league. So I don't expect them to uh, expect them to lose more than they win down the stretch. What's the latest with the Warriors and Steph Curry? Will we see him back soon? Yes. Yeah, so development today uh, looks like at least another week. But the good news is it's not going to be much more than that. All right. Do what do we think about them against the Lakers tonight? Uh, I like Anthony Davis over. He was by far the best All Star that didn't play in the game. Mm. I like the Lakers to handle their business, but that line's moved up from three and a half to now five and a half. I think the way to play it is Anthony Davis over his point total. Yeah, let's go through the NBA odds uh, for today. The Nuggets plus two and a half at the Cavs. The Pistons plus six and a half at Orlando. The Celtics now minus nine uh, at the Pacers. The Pelicans plus five and a half at Toronto. The Grizzlies plus three and a half at Philadelphia. The Spurs plus 13 and a half at the Mavericks. That's a good question. Like after the break, do you expect the uh, 
the chemistry between Luka and Kyrie to have, have kicked up a little bit of a notch? I do, and I expect this to be a big Luka game. I feel like Kyrie kind of hands the, the reins over to Luka in this one. We mentioned the Thunder plus two at the Jazz. Blazers catching five and a half at Sacramento, and the Warriors, McKenzie just said it, plus five and a half now at the Lakers. Short hockey slate last night. Islanders, a 2-1 win over the Jets. The Flames double up the Coyotes. Mullet Arena, 6-3. And uh, I lost a pretty large play. It was a three-star play. It was my game of the month. I had the Stars over the Blackhawks, laying a goal and a half. They were massive favorites. I even got some incredible closing line value. And, AJ, what do we say about getting CLV? You can't eat it. You can't eat it. You Uh, can't sleep under it like a blanket at night, unfortunately. I gave this play out. Late last night at minus 145 on the puck line. It closed at minus 190. Can't do better than that. And the the Stars had a 3-0 lead in the second period. Can't do better than that. Now, I'm Looking not better. a I'm not a win probability uh, calculator person, and I, don't, I haven't found anywhere that calculates it by the minute or whatever in hockey. I will say this. If you look at the... Um, Cover probability, because there are some websites that, you know, you can track your bets and you can look at cover probability. Just looking at the minus 430 money line, the uh, cover probability, which maybe you can translate to win probability. It's essentially the same thing, although I don't know how some of those websites do these things. Uh, It was 3-0 in the second period. 99% to cover, meaning 99% to win the game, which makes sense. You know, you're up 3-0 at home. You're playing against a team that scores you know, probably the, the bottom three least amount in the NHL, and you have a goaltender that has the second best numbers in the NHL this season. You got to win that game. Instead, the Blackhawks score four unanswered goals. Two players. Oh. Two players did all the scoring. Max Domi had two goals. Patrick Kane had two goals. Blackhawks win 4-3. Blackhawks, by the way, the least amount of goals scored this season. I'm sure that makes you feel Yes, I know that. (laughs) I know that. They don't average four per game? No. Uh No, 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 no. no. You see, uh, Chicago 31st in expected goal percentage, 32nd. There's only 32 teams. In goals scored, 28th in goals against. So they allow more than everybody except for, you know, four teams in the league. And uh, I mentioned Ottinger in net fifth in goals saved above expected. That's an advanced metric. His goals against average third in the NHL. His save percentage second in the NHL. And this was a triple system play with the minus 400 favorites, with the road fading the road teams on the second of a back-to-back, and uh, teams that won as underdogs the day before because Chicago had an upset win as a dog. So, man, the money you made by betting on Chicago the last two nights, whoosh. Uh, probably a pretty penny there. Wish I had me some of that. Let's see how we can win this money back here tonight. I like the New York Rangers. I'm just telling you that because I'm a Ranger fan. So of I like course, the New York yeah. Rangers. What, what team do you guys like? You know, you like? I like ice cream. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I actually like the Nashville Predators. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I had season tickets for a year when I was Bridge in college. Stone Arena. I'm a Golden Knights guy. Yeah, you're a local VGK guy. Well, I like the Rangers, and they're minus 165 against the Red Wings in Detroit. 
It's the first home game for Detroit after a five-game road trip. Not only was it a five-game road trip, but it was the Pacific Northwest trip, if you will. They went from northern Canada, Vancouver, to Edmonton, to Calgary, back down to Seattle. And then they go across country, and they play in D.C., and now they're home. It's a lot of travel. And we always like fading teams on, you know, the first game back after the long road trip. So I like the Rangers who uh, were so hot. They had a a long winning streak that was snapped. They've lost now two straight games, even though the game against the Jets was just, uh, it was one of the most, I don't want to call it a shocking result, but sometimes I do this with baseball too. As I've gotten more and more into uh, analytics, right? You look at the expected, like in baseball, I'll look at StatCast and, and, uh, and things like that. And I'll, I'll look at the uh, expected batting average on some of the balls that are hit. And like, you know, a guy smokes a line drive, but he hits it right to the shortstop. Or the left fielder makes a diving catch that normally would result in a double. I look at those things and I'm like, ah, shoot. You know, what what should have happened is not what happened. Rangers outshot the Jets 51 to 21 and they lost the game four to one. Mm. That's not what's supposed to happen. (laughs) If you looked at the expected goals in that game, the Rangers win that game every time. So I think New York bounces back here against the Red Wings in Detroit. Elsewhere, you got the Wild at the Blue Jackets, Minnesota laying 190. Devils are home to the Kings, New Jersey minus 145. The Oilers are at the Penguins, and that's uh, pretty split evenly, minus 110 both ways. The Sabres at the Lightning, Tampa Bay minus 235. Ducks at the Capitals. Washington is minus 267. They have lost now five straight games. Four of those games Without Alexander Ovechkin. I was going to ask, yeah. Ovi, they've actually, they lost a game earlier this year without Ovi, so they haven't won a game that, that Ovechkin has not played. Ovechkin is back from Russia. His father, unfortunately, passed away. He practiced with the team yesterday. The Capitals told him, take as much time as you need. We don't have an announcement yet on whether he's going to play tonight or not. It is expected that he's either going to play tonight or he's going to play, I believe, it's Saturday against the Rangers. What's your gut say? My gut says Ovechkin plays tonight. To me, he's a guy that, and you see this a lot with athletes, right? The best way to get over a situation, the best way to grieve, get this guy back on the ice. And if Ovi plays tonight, I'd be honest. I, I feel like, am I an asshole for thinking like <laughs> I, I want to bet his over shots on goal? I want to bet him to score a goal. I want to bet everything Alexander Ovechkin because I think he plays with a fire, with an intensity, and, and an emotion. I think it's the opposite. I think it's noble of him that he wants to go out there, and I think you're you're finding that emotion uh, noteworthy. Yeah. So I think Capitals win, and I think Ovi has himself. A night, and I think the team obviously gets a massive boost by having their captain back on the ice with them. Uh, the Canucks are at the Blues. St. Louis minus 120. I don't like St. Louis being a favorite over anybody, even though Vancouver stinks. But St. Louis trading away all their you know players. Jordan Kyrie is like the only guy left on that team. Uh, the Golden Knights will host the Flames. VGK minus 140. Bruins at the Kraken. Boston minus 170. And the Sharks host AJ's Predators. Nashville minus 130.
If you would like to purchase a best bet or a season-long package at pregame.com, please take 20% off on us using our promo code FIRE20. We're on fire. The fire was put out for me a little bit last night, but I promise you I will reignite it maybe tonight. McKenzie's on fire, 10-1 in his last 11 NBA games. Got his game of the month up tonight. AJ's catching fire. We're all catching fire like the Hunger Games. That was the second movie, I believe. Or no, that was Mockingjay, Catching Fire. I don't know. I like those movies, though. Fire20 is the promo code. Get you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com for AJ Hoffman and Mackenzie Rivers and Steve Fezzik and RJ Bell too because he's the boss I'm Scott Zetterberg we are straight out of Vegas AM